0: Welcome to this week's episode of Making It to the Mic. I'm your host, Stephanie Pam Roberts, and today I'll be chatting with Ebony Fondren. Ebony is a voice actor and a singer who lives in Kansas City, and she's worked in commercials, telephone systems, and a really cool niche in voiceover that I'll let her tell you about. Like many voice actors, Ebony was used to recording all of her jobs in person, and she recently set up her home studio. I love hearing the perspective of people who don't live in one of the major markets like New York City or Los Angeles, so let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Ebony Fondren. Hello, Ebony. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Well, welcome to the podcast. So I like to start every episode with the same question, which is, how did you make it to the mic and what did you do before voiceover?
1: Well, before voiceover, I was told all the time that, man, you need to do voiceover work, but I didn't exactly know how to do that. Um, this was probably back in 08, 09, 2010. Funny story, I used to work in a completely different industry, uh, corporate aviation, and I would always answer the phone, you know, thank you for calling multi-service, this is Ebony, how can I help you? And the guy on the end, oh, Ebony, every time, God, I could just listen to your voicemail over and over again. Anyway, <laughs> and so he would just, he literally would call and just to listen to my voicemail and leave me messages. So anyway. Yeah, I was working I got out of that industry. I was working in Bridal and I ended up working with a, a talent agent. See, um, and they kept hounding me, you need to come in, you need to come in. So I finally went in and made a VO reel. And I mean I talk I like booked, 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 like as soon as that VO reel was live. So
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah, and that was back in two thousand twelve.
0: And I know you have a music background as well. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about that and how that kind of helps you cross over into voiceover?
1: Well, I've been singing my whole entire life i've been in, you know doing theater and all all of those things and so it all really just kind of works interchangeably as far as you know talking singing projecting being on a microphone like listening to your voice understanding your voice and what it can do um as a singer obviously you have to know those things and through acting you get training as far as direction and how to deliver scripts um, the same thing with lyrical interpretations when you're taking on a song. And so you can all of that can really translate into voiceover work quite well. Each area kind of, you know, plays off of the other if I'm doing a show and i I'm comfortable on the mic, you know, either setting up a song or setting up a um an introduction to to, you know, a video or something that I'm about to do or. Say. And so um, it all really does work interchangeably, uh, which is quite nice because, you know, you can double dip and triple dip.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. So, did you take voiceover classes before you made that demo or did you just kind of jump in?
1: I did not. I just jumped in. I have not had any formal training. I have not, as far as specifically to voiceover work, mm-hmm. I guess I could knock on wood and say I've been in one of the lucky ones. I've been told I take direction really well. And and I think it just comes it comes with, you know, understanding the script. I think just with everything that I've done over the years, um, I feel really natural on the microphone. I love being in the recording booth, whether it's music or um it's like a game almost of like, can I nail it in the first try? kind of a thing. I always ask for directions. I always take notes. I always read through my scripts ahead of time to sort of like, you know, make sure that I'm understanding the perspective before I then go in and give a read.
0: Yeah, totally. That's such great advice to really know what you're talking about, even if you maybe don't know what you're talking about.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like I've done a lot of stuff for like animal clinics and just, you know, um, veterinarians and they prefer that pronunciations as opposed to veterinarians and, you know, just Mm. those little nuances and just um, talking to your directors and everything and just like, okay, and how do I say this word? And like, when you wrote this sentence, what exactly are you, you know, saying? What's the mood of the piece? Like, you know, all of those things I think are just really important before you just dive right in. You can have a great voice and not know how to use it,
0: you know? Oh, that's so true. I feel like there are a lot of people who get into voiceover because you know, much like you, someone told them they have a great voice, but then Mm -hmm. you kind of had that next level of acting training and know-how and the, you know, the sense of knowing that you needed to do the research for each new script, each new product. Do you do that same research for your auditions as well? Yes, I do. Oh, tell us about that process.
1: Um, So I'll get a script and Um, I'll go back and forth with my agent a little bit about, you know, do you have any, do they have any direction? Sometimes they'll do, they'll be really good about, you know, sending the direction of what they want in the audition. But if I have, if I have questions, I definitely ask, like, how do I pronounce the name of this? Like if it's, especially if it's like a a drug or, you know, I want to make sure that I'm getting the name of the company, the drug, the product, the client, whoever it is, correct, first of all. And then, you know, if they want a mood, if they want, you know, I want to know all of those things before I submit the audition, because what I've found is a lot of times they're looking at that audition as almost it could if it could be your final read. Hmm. And I sort of learned that, you know, after booking something and people are saying, what you did in the audition is exactly what we want. And they like use it as a reference and they almost want me to mimic it. So I've sort of tweaked my auditions to to try to be like what I would, you know, think a final read would be just so they can really get an idea of, you know what they're looking for.
0: Yeah. And I bet your musical ear helps with that too, in terms of, you know, if they do want you to match something from your audition, I bet you're super good at matching your pace, your tone, your tempo, everything.
1: It's eerily weird how exact I can be
0: sometimes. <laughs> I am a musical person as well. I I studied musical theater and I find that too. Sometimes people are like, um oh, that was exactly the same.
1: Yeah. And they're just like, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when they were like, Give me three on a stick and I'm like, Okay. And I'm trying to like make them all different. And then we go back and they're like, Okay, we liked A or B of this one and then they're like, We like the tone of this, but the inflection on this one. If you can just go put those together and then I'm like, I'll do it and they'll be like, Yeah, okay, that was creepy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also fun and that's about being in tune, you know, with yourself and just being able to really hear and it's a it's not something everybody can do. So I, I'm very you know, I take pride in that, and I'm very proud uh, proud of that ability, and I think that's what keeps me working, so.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned that you, you feel like you're really good at taking direction. What do you think that quality is? What do you think um, makes you good at being able to take direction and, and give the, the reads that they want?
1: I think you take yourself out of the equation. Mm. A lot of times, people put themselves into how they would feel about something or how they, you know, like... If if even if you don't necessarily agree with what the direct the people want the directors want of that read you have to be able to take your opinion out of it. Just sometimes I th- I feel like you can put a stress on a word or or hear it a certain way and you're stuck in that that thought process of mm-hmm. like well I just don't hear it that way or you know this isn't conversational to me you know when they say, Oh, let's make it conversational and you're like, Oh, that the way you guys want it don't really sound conversational. But if that's what they like, then that's what they like, you know? So Yeah. You just kinda gotta, okay, sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true. You really do kinda have to leave your own ego out of it. I mean, you have to bring yourself mm-hmm. to the recording session and your own ideas, but then at some point you kinda have to put it in the in the backseat and <laughs> let them drive.
1: Yeah, especially when it comes to like the The direction of their, like, you know, what they want to push if it's it's their, it's their product. It's their baby, you know, so it's not I'm not going to sit here and tell you how to direct your commercial, but you know, I will do that through the reads that I give you, the different examples, I guess
0: how do you feel about line readings like if if you're in a directed session, and let's say the line is, um, you know, how did you get into voiceover and they The director actually says, I want you to say it, like, exactly like this. How did you get into voiceover?
1: Um, I don't know how, if I necessarily like it so much, because it's just, like okay, do you want me to do this or do you want to do it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, like, so what I'll do usually is do what they've done. And then I'll do, they say like, give me, you know, through a stick or ABC, then I'll do, you know, what they want to hear. And then I'll do like my own version of that. And usually we can meet in the middle somewhere. You know, there's a night, there's in a roundabout sort of nice way to say, well, okay, I'll try that, you know? Yeah. Sure, sure, I'll do it and- give it to them. And then it's just like, usually they'll like, well, you know, I'm not a voiceover person, but I just thought, I'd, I just wanted to hear that, you know, that idea of maybe, you know, so I'll do it. But I have the, some of the audio engineers that I've worked with are really good about also being like, well, you know, let's just, let's give some options kind of a thing. So I'm almost like, whew, thanks guys.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I sometimes don't mind it because if we've done enough takes and I've gotten my ideas out there, and then they have something for whatever reason that they still hear so specifically, it's it's almost like, great, you tell me what that is, I will spit that back to you, and then we can just move on, you get what you want.
1: Yeah, I've been in situations like that where they're looking for something so specific, and I'm trying like every which way, inflection here, inflection there, you know, all this stuff. And then, yeah, then they'll just like read it how they want it, and then I'll read it that way. And then I'll, you know, and they'll be like, yes, perfect. But in my mind, I'm like, you know, that was take A of the last two (laughs) But
0: (laughs) It's always that.
1: Yeah. You're like, sure, that's just what I did, but no big deal. (laughs)
0: Um, So for those who may be new to the industry, um, what can you tell us um, when a director asks you for three in a row, what does that mean?
1: Um, They want to hear three different versions of the same line. So just like kind of, you know, say... um, Sally loves to read. Okay. Let's say that's the line. And so they want to hear Sally loves to read or Sally loves to read, you know, or Sally loves to read or just anyway, you know, so they want to hear it three different ways, kind of giving it, giving them some different ideas to think about how they want the line to be read.
0: So what was the genre that you started in, uh, when you first got into the industry?
1: Oh, my first job was a big job. I got AMC, theaters.
0: That was your first job?
1: I do on-camera stuff, and I also do voiceover work. So I got a Wendy's um, commercial. Um, it was a YouTube series that they were doing for the pretzel bacon cheeseburger. And then shortly after that, I also booked in the in-theater voice for AMC. Um, and I did that for like about five years until the, they got a new CEO and he decided he wanted a male, a very epic man's voice. Hmm. Um, and so I don't do the so there's there's the differences between the in theater voices like literally when you're in the theater and it's like coming soon to AMC, you know. All of the pre-roll exits may be ahead of you, behind you, or on either side. Like, I did all of that for all the genres, whether it was horror, romantic, um, suspense, you know, action film. They had different sort of feels and in- introductions for each. Anytime a different movie was playing, you they they did a different in-theater introduction. That's cool. So I did all of those, then any advertisements for snacks, you know, joining the rewards program, go get a popcorn bucket, go get an Icy, any promotion. So now I still do the promotion work. Um, and some of the um I've been doing all of the COVID announcements about the safety in theaters and all of the new air filters and things that they've put in place and all of those things. But I um I don't do the in theater, like big introduction stuff. The guy does that.
0: That is so amazing that that was one of your very first jobs.
1: Tell me about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we actually got introduced uh, through a mutual friend and she said, you should talk to Ebony. She's the voice of AMC. I was like, wait, I want to learn more about that because you know, part of what I have really enjoyed about interviewing people on this podcast and kind of sharing with the audience is just how vast and deep the voiceover industry is. I mean, you could stop anybody on the street and say, what's voiceover? And they'd probably say the same three things, like movie trailers, commercials on TV, Disney, Mm -hmm. you know, Disney Pixar films. And I love hearing about these little niche areas of the industry that like not many people probably know about, even though we've all sat in a movie theater and we've all probably heard your voice.
1: Right. People always think in a world. And like <laughs> Yeah. That's like the first thing they think of is like, you know, the Allstate guys in the, in the you know. It's funny that they think of, uh, you would think like when it first started out, people associated a lot of it with male voices. But I think Siri and um, Alexa, you know, but especially Siri when she first came out kind of really helped put that deeper, raspier f- female voice in in the forefront. And I think some actresses too as well. There's work for everybody and you never know what somebody's going to want. You know, they say what they're looking for, but then you sit a- submit an audition and, you know, you hear the the people who actually got the job, and you're like, huh, not what I thought they were looking for, but no big deal. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. That happened recently, actually. There was um, a commercial that I auditioned for, and the final spot was this, like, really deep-voiced man. Mm-hmm. And I said, great. <laughs> <laughs> You know, in some ways, it makes you feel better. Like, wow, you know what? They went in a completely different direction, and that's fine. I can let that one go and not feel like sad about it because, at the end of the day, they actually weren't looking for me at all.
1: Right, right. Sometimes I hear a person. It's another female, and it's sort of close to me. But to me, that's just an opportunity to, to like work on different voices, and I can do. I mean, I have a lot of different like my voiceover. I don't know. Did I send you my voiceover reel? <laughs> There's a there's a particular one I did for Burt's Bees. I didn't actually do the Burt's Bees commercial, but I just used it as a sample in my voiceover reel. And every time people hear that, they're like, Who is that? I'm like, oh, that's me. They're like, What? <laughs> I had a client book me off of that because I just went like super like a uh, Valley Girl, like Burt's Bees. It's you know, something about flavors and of the different uh, lip balms. But yeah, every time people hear that, they're just like, is that you too? Is that you too? I'm like, yeah, that's me.
0: (laughs) But that definitely goes back to your music training and your ear that you can find and you know your voice so well, you can find those different um, pitches almost, like different tones and, and spots that your voice can sit.
1: Yeah, my dream is like kids' voices, animated characters and stuff like that. I would just love to do that kind of stuff.
0: Have you worked in animation at all yet?
1: I haven't, no. I'm hoping that this, mic, my new setup at home will, you know, help me, like, kind of I'll open a door. I'm going to record some different um, voiceover reels with different different themes and stuff.
0: Yeah. So before we uh, officially started recording, you were sharing that your home studio is new. So tell us about that process.
1: Um, I've been thinking about it for a while and everyone, especially now with, uh, being quarantined, everybody working from home, um, there's been some jobs where people have wanted, you know, you to just be able to record from home and send it in. And I wasn't able to do that before. And I'm like, I'm losing out on money. And then a lot of the online, um, uh, places, voices.com and things like that, you know, being able to submit from my home studio for jobs like that. I just was like, I need to get on this. And so I finally just reached out to um, audio engineer people that I know and just asked a bunch of other voice artists about the type of stuff that they used and um, just sort of compiled together like the all the things that I need. And then I just got it all ordered and got it all set up. And here we are today.
0: (laughs) Nice. And so what, mic did you end up going with? I
1: went with a Audio Technica AT 4040. Um, it's very nice. And I've got my M2 Moto interface. Um, I have a Mac uh, work uh, Surface Pro and so it didn't have all of the ports needed. So that's, that's key. Computer, computers, computer choice is key when you're getting everything set up and being able to work, you know, run everything through. Got to make sure that you've got a compatible computer. I had to find a special adapter um, to connect to my Surface Pro to then be able to have all of the ports that I needed to connect my interface um, into and then run the system. So. But it all worked out. My my guy's really great. He found all of the, the pieces that I needed and just sent me the links to where I could order them from. Um, got them all ordered. And um, here we are.
0: Yeah. So what was the process like setting up the home studio? Because I feel like for people who were used to going to record in person, like, were you overwhelmed? Were you... Did you feel resistance to setting up the home studio? Did you finally just feel like, I got to get this done?
1: No, not overwhelmed at all. Um, I just, I knew that it was something that I needed to do. Um, and so just making sure I had the the money to get it all done was probably my biggest challenge, honestly. So just get, you know, saving up to, cause I didn't want to piecemeal it. Like when I wanted, when I did it, I wanted to get everything at the same time so that I could be ready to go. So yeah, I think just budgeting, um, realistically yeah. and talking, you know, making sure that you, you get the equipment that you need for the jobs that you're going to do, you know, that you want to do. Um, and then. Um, mastering the software, you know, like I'm in Pro Tools now. And so just getting on and making mistakes and just figuring out what works and how things work and pushing buttons. And that's probably the most overwhelming part for me is just making sure that I record it and it gets to where it's supposed to get and it sounds good. <laughs>
0: so. <laughs> I know the the recording software can be really daunting especially if that's just not something you're used to looking at or working in and Yeah. I like to tell people it's like finding a good planner. Like you just got to find the one that works for you. No, you don't have to use pro tools, but if that looks great and makes sense to you visually, then great, use that.
1: That was the one that was suggested to me. I by my, I have a lot of friends in the industry, a lot of audio engineers, you know, who do this stuff all the time, work professionally, and I just take their advice and if that's what they, I tell them what I want to do and then they make their recommendations, I'm like, okay, cool, great, awesome, thank you, because I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you have someone like that, that's amazing. I, I got lucky with my husband because YouTube can be really resourceful and also a deep, deep rabbit hole.
1: Oh my gosh, yes, it can. <laughs>
0: You know, I think there's there's certainly value in YouTube watching tutorials, even just watching a tutorial of somebody using that program, and watching them and going, "I don't know what you're doing, but it looks like absolute like nonsense to me." So I'm gonna move on and see what another program looks like. Yeah,
1: I mean, I'm I I think that I'm I'm I've got pretty good aptitude when it comes to. This kind of stuff is just like knowing what button does what and all that. You know, I take notes and write down my steps if, so that I remember, like, first you do this, then you do this. You want to have this clicked. You know, and so I have my little notes. Yeah. And then as long as I'm not doing anything crazy, I think gonna be OK. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, you know, you you start small. You're not going to mix the whole commercial by yourself. You're Heck just, you no. just need to know how to record you.
1: Exactly. That's what I was like. How do I? That's what I said. I need to record this track for today and send it to Stephanie and he like helped me figure that out. So I'm like, awesome. I even, now I can drop in a musical track and I did that in stuff before um, we got off the phone, he and I earlier. So I'm like, okay, I feel good about this.
0: And honestly, it just takes practice like anything else. It's- It does. It's another thing to add to your list. Like you're gonna go practice your copy. You're gonna go practice reading new types of scripts. You can also practice your you know mm-hmm. tech side of things too. So switching gears a little bit, I know you're outside of the "quote unquote" major voiceover market. So can you tell us where you're based?
1: I'm in Kansas City, Missouri.
0: And have you been there for your whole voiceover career?
1: I have. Um, it was really cool um, when I this, how me you and I are connected through Lily. She and I met in uh, Rock Island, Illinois, doing Les Mis. And I was still contracted with my agency here back home in Kansas City. And this was in 2015. So we had to find a studio in uh, Rock Island in that Quad City area that I could go to to do work and patch and like send in to them. So that was kind of the the only time I ever did any remote work was when I was doing Les Mis for, how long was I gone? Four months.
0: So that's amazing. I think that's really valuable to hear that you can be a full-time working voice actor in the non-COVID times. You can be a full-time working voice actor in a city other than New York City.
1: You can. There's Kansas City is really great. It's a nice little hub here. And there's lots of professional theater. And then there's sports teams. There's lots of big foundations. Um, there's about four to five talent agencies. Um, and, you know, there's... And then we service the upward, you know, up to Minnesota and down to Oklahoma, even sometimes as far as uh, where we get bookings. As far as commercial work. Um, the voiceover work comes in for all kinds of clients, um, from T-Mobile and Sprint and AMC. We do Royals and Chiefs and lots of drug companies, foundations, schools, hospitals, um Missouri Lottery, Kansas Lottery. So yeah, it's, it keeps us busy, pretty busy, which is very cool. A lot of people are surprised by that, but yeah, there's the work is awesome.
0: I love that. I think that's so neat that there is like a little voiceover community there with studios and and people that again in the non-covid times that you can actually interact with in person cuz sometimes the industry can be so isolating when we're all kind of just stuck in our own little home studios. Yeah. Thank goodness for technology, I say. <laughs> Seriously. So where do you get most of your auditions from? Is it from agents or do you have other sources that you kind of get them from as well?
1: Um, The majority of them come from my agency and then I meet people um, and I get, you know, hired for one off stuff that I just direct book um, through myself. Um, So like I've done, there's a performing arts center and someone knew me there who I, I know works there and they wanted me to do their voice system for their on hold and so I was like oh sure I can do that and then another person was working on the video and he knew that I do voiceover work so he just did a direct contact that way so I've done some stuff like that um the place that I work at I did our voicemail system because they know that I do voiceover work and so I was like sure I'll do you know thank you for calling the gown gallery to press one you know for customer service press one so <laughs> um But the majority of the scripts and things like that, um, big jobs come through my agency. I'm definitely trying to get work from, you know, other platforms, um, things that I can submit online so I can get some bigger national work.
0: Yeah, I think diversifying your sources of auditions is so important because, especially now, the silver lining is that there are agencies all over the country that are saying, you have a home studio? Great as long as you have that pro setup that you know they're they're taking on talent that they might not have taken on before do you
1: have any suggestions or like uh, on how to submit to those
0: places i say do your research we'll start there <laughs> i say do your research you know see go to their website see what's their mission statement or their about page you know who are the agents that work there and then kind of dig around and see if they have their roster or even some of the people on their roster listed on the website. Listen to their demos. If there's 55 women and, you know, one of them sounds like you, there's a good shot that you might be able to get in the door. If there's 55 women and 45 of them sound like you, maybe not. And then I, I, you know, you have to follow whatever the submission instructions are to a T. We actually had a, I had another guest who Her and her husband own an agency and it's, she said they get so many submissions and it's like, if you haven't followed the directions, then they, that says to them that they might, you might not be able to follow the directions on their auditions when they send them to you or a client's, you know, instructions. So taking the time to read the submission guidelines, following them to a T really will set you apart already from the crowd. What other genres do you work in? And what other genres would you like to work in? I know you said animation already.
1: Oh, audiobooks. I would love to uh, narrate a book and little like kids books even or, or I do, you know, voices, kid voices. And I think that's it. And then just, I mean, honestly, I just want, I would love to just get like another Cool big client, you know. I always hear those commercials and I'm like, she sounds like me. I could do that. Mm, I can do that one too. (laughs) Sometimes I'm watching commercials and I'll hear a voice that sounds like mine and I'll, you know, imitate that or like repeat the commercial. I'm like, see, I could be doing this. How do I? I need to get to these folks.
0: (laughs) How am I? How do I get that Tide commercial? That's what I want. So when you get an audition and you do your research, what are your thoughts about the specs? I feel like there are so many schools of thought, and I'm curious what, how you approach them. If there's like a long list of specs, how do you kind of distill down to give the performance that you, are, that you think that they want?
1: Yeah, um, sometimes I submit two takes for my audition. So say they want... Mature voice, you know, sort of raspy in her 40s. I'm like, well, that's me. So I'll just do my sort of, everyone has their like standard, like stock, you know, voiceover read. Mm -hmm. You're straight ahead, here's my read kind of voice. And then you have your what you think they are, they're wanting sort of read. From it's based on my like experience and just kind of what I think the client is meaning and sometimes i ask again but i'll try to do um for instance if they want like you know the 40s to 50s mature i feel like i'm i'm resting in that spot anyway um and so i just kind of use my my current tone and an inflection if they want someone younger i'll usually lift a little bit in my tone my resting voice is very you know as you can see very deep and but if they want I feel like if they want they want something like 20s to 30s then I'll just lift my voice up a little bit to kind of give them something I guess in my mind what I think is younger sounding. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it's I guess it's based on what I think they want and with a little bit of their direction and I usually send in one or two two takes.
0: And do you try to make your two takes wildly different or just a little different? Uh
1: Depending on if what they're asking for um, but usually there's some similarities um but, but definitely a difference you know, if it's maybe one's more relaxed, one's more proper, one's more uh, conversational, one's more announcery if they have all of those qualifications and so you're just like they're like announcery but not too salesy or salesy, but not too announcery and you know conversational, but yet friendly and just like, okay. (laughs) Sometimes the things I feel contradict themselves. And so I just put in a happy medium and call it happiness.
0: What was the audition like for the AMC job?
1: They sent me the script and it was, uh, they just wanted to kind of hear, they gave me some direction and, you know, fun and conversational and, um, not too announcery again, but, um, and so starting out, it was just like, I just kind of went with my, what I thought would sound good coming in of, out of a movie theater, you know, welcome to AMC. And so coming soon to AMC. Um, and so that to me, that was just like said, you can definitely tell when you have a smile on your face, it makes a difference the way the words come out and they can, you can definitely hear the difference. And I, you know, put a smile on my face and I think about like, all my friends sitting in the movie theater um, and they're like, hey, that's happening. We recognize that voice, which just happened, which was really cool.
0: Oh, that's fun.
1: And so that's kind of what I thought about. Um, and then I just, yeah, just submit it. Um, they would send their script of, you know, what they were going to have me read. Depending on what the script was and what we were reading for, you know, they'd ask for little changes and nuances here. But for the most part, pretty consistent state Stayed stayed pretty much the same. I did have... Towards the end of 2019, I had uh, some vocal issues. I had a polyp, um, ended up getting removed. Um, and I can tell the difference in my voice from when I had, there was a little bit more scratchy and a little bit more raspy. But they they worked with me and they kept me through all of that. And then when after my surgery, you could tell that my voice had cleared up quite significantly. But it's been really cool and they've st- stuck with me. So I'm very <laughs> thankful for that.
0: I had vocal problems as well. I didn't end up needing surgery. I just did vocal therapy. But um, I was teaching on the side. I was teaching uh, elementary school kids theater. So I was just yelling essentially at 100 children every afternoon,
1: Mm -hmm. um, which
0: takes its toll on the voice. Um, (laughs) And then I would get into the booth and I was like, "Ooh, this is not good. And, you know, I feel like vocal problems aren't talked about because it's there's a lot of a lot of stuff wrapped up in them. Yeah, and I was singing on
1: top of that, you know. So I'm in a in a, in a wedding band, very active wedding band, and wedding music is, is straight-up pop, Motown, you know, R&B, hip-hop. So every weekend, I'm just... Yeah, I'm just like belting, scrunching face. <laughs> <laughs> and then to turn around on a Monday morning at 9 o'clock and have to go, welcome to AMC. It's just like, whoa. But I noticed, I noticed something um, in my voice. I could feel a change and I immediately jumped on it. And there was a small little polyp. And I tried to do vocal rest, but we're talking like first part of June, which is like right in the middle of crazy, crazy wedding season. And there was just as much as I tried to be on vocal rest in between wedding jobs, it just, it got worse. And so eventually I I decided to, um, the way that it grew, um, it sat up on a stalk. So it was easily removed. They just snipped it at the base. But I did do like three weeks of vocal silence and then another three weeks of like slowly integrating words back into my um, routine. But it could have been a lot worse. It was not actually on the vocal cords, it was on the base of the cord, like at the very bottom. And then just every, all the factors, like knock on wood, like all the factors just like made it the ideal polyp if they're, if that's such a thing. So yeah, I was pretty, pretty fortunate in that.
0: And I love hearing that your clients were understanding. I, I had that experience as well. And I was so nervous to tell people because I was embarrassed, first of all. And second of all, I felt like, oh, no, they're going to tell me they can't use me anymore or they're going to say you know we're going to find somebody else and i think everybody was understanding everyone said oh my gosh feel better soon let us know when you're back to work and um and i still have clients from that time that i still work with now
1: that's great yeah that's great
0: so do you now have a warm up cool down procedure that you do how do you maintain your vocal health now
1: just being smart um yeah if i haven't done anything in a while Um, I do warm up. Um, I don't have any kind of set thing, I usually do trills, and um, which is you know, and and um, I'll go through my vowels a e i o u a e a and just or take some repetitive consonants or sort of just open up and get things warm. And I just know not how to how to not push my voice and where to place. Place my voice um, so that I'm not putting strain on my throat. All the things that you learn in vocal therapy, um, um, not to be, you know, get the scratch, uh, you're resting in the back of your throat and getting that scratch, not clearing my throat as much because that was something I learned that I did quite often. And you never know, you do something quite often until you have to monitor it. And you're just like, whoa, I am clearing my throat every 30 seconds. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I usually try to do a warm up and a cool down, especially if I've had a long singing weekend. Um, but I haven't had any of those since July of last year. August we did our last wedding. We had a we were off work, we had a three month spurt when they opened things back up and then they shut things back down. And so I haven't really done anything. A few jazz gigs here and there and a couple virtual shows, but not nearly. As much as I normally do. Oh, it's so hard. It's hard. It really is.
0: So what is your number one piece of advice for someone who's just starting out in the biz? Um, I'd say get a reel.
1: Um, put a reel together showing all of your, you know, the things that you feel you can do really well. Showing variety and depth. So definitely try to get yourself a professional voiceover reel. Something that you can send to folks and put yourself out there, um, whether that be getting an agency, getting online and try try it out, try your voice out, see if you get picked up by an agency, if you're booking, if you get any feedback from anybody, have some people that have been in the industry maybe listen to your reel and give you some pointers. Um, I mean, that's that's how I did it. I guess guy just went to an agency um, and, and, and went from there. So if if they're liking what they're hearing, um, then they'll more than likely, you know, they'll they'll want to take you on. Um, and everybody needs you. Got to do your research, like you said, and and do your training if necessary. I don't I don't I didn't take classes, um, so I don't know if the benefit of classes works for some and not for others. Like that part of it, I don't know. But I would just say, um, you know, definitely get yourself a nice sounding professional reel. And put yourself out there (laughs) take the chance
0: well thank you I love that we covered so much ground today we covered all sorts of little tips and tricks and then you know different genres of things that we might not have known about before so thank you you're welcome Ebony's voice is so soothing I could listen to her for hours and I'm so thankful that she brought up her vocal troubles and we got a chance to talk about that as performers, we often feel like these topics are taboo or things that we want to keep a secret. But the truth is, we are vocal athletes who use our voices all day, whether to sing or to speak, and it takes a lot to maintain that instrument. If you'd like to learn more about Ebony, I'm linking her website and socials in the show notes, which you can find at my website, www.stephaniepamroberts.com podcast. I'll also link some helpful resources on vocal health. And to stay updated about future episodes, please follow me on Instagram at Stephanie Pam Roberts VO. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And if you have a minute to leave a rating or review, that would be awesome. It really does help more people find the show. Thanks so much for listening, and here's a little preview of next week's episode.
1: The more transparent and authentic we can be, I think the better the industry will be as a whole and the better the world will be as a whole.
0: That's next week on Making It to the Mic.